And welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy, where we will be recapping the second round of Super Rugby Aotearoa. And back with me to do so is one of the greats, Nick Hegarty, where we will be brushing over the second half comeback from the Highlanders against the Chiefs and another clinical performance by the Crusaders over the Hurricanes. Well, tēnā koe, Nick, and thank you very much for joining me again on Code with Kingy to recap the second round of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Uh, where we saw the Highlanders come back, um, similar to what they did last year in Hamilton on Friday night, and then the Crusaders pretty much within the space of twenty minutes dominate their opposition. So we'll throw we'll throw it to the first game, bro. Like Friday night, uh, obviously the Chiefs were dominating for that first half an hour, but then one charge down pretty much turned around the whole game. So what did you take from what we saw on Friday night? Yeah, well. Um... I was watching it and I was, you know, it, it was kind of like what planned out in my head, like the Chiefs were leading and I was like, oh yeah, like Holland's might score one try and then like the Chiefs will probably, you know, like I say, finish with a drop goal for Gatlin. But no, nah, old, um, old Mr. Jonah Nariki, he's um, a mate of mine and he's um, he's, he showed his, his class that he's, uh, I've always knew he's had, but just, um, yeah, right, right time, you know, one of those games where, Everything clicks here, and um, my gosh, they're even talking about him being in the All Blacks now. Like, yeah, it'd be um, pretty special performance for him that that will be he will probably remember for a long time. But yeah, I think um, yeah, he was a bit of a game changer. Having Aaron Smith come off the bench probably was quite helpful as well. Maybe just you know a bit of leadership and and being able to control the game. Um, but yeah, yeah, you can't get past. Uh, Jonah's uh, bump off on Brad Weber. I was like, holy. <laughs> man, I've never seen the man bump someone off before, but <laughs> he can do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no. Um, just, yeah, good performance from from the Highlanders. And um, I don't know, have they got the bye this week? No, the Canes got the bye this week. They played the Blues up at Eden Park on Sunday. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think similar to you, bro. Like my biggest takeaway from Friday was just Jonah, um, and like I was quick after the game to get like a, a visual together to sort of like give him his raps for how well he played. But it's interesting, and, and take nothing away from the guy, bro. But if you actually go back and watch, and this came from an article that I read earlier in the weekend, is that in that first half an hour, I mean, similar to all the Highlanders that um, that were starting, he actually didn't play that well. He missed a couple of tackles, and he and he bombed like a high ball and he dropped um dropped a pass which was sort of straight up Fakataba from a line out. So he actually like that first thirty minutes if you if you if you take that and you judge Jonah solely on that, you'd probably give him about an F bro because like nothing seemed to go his way. But I mean momentum's been the big word thrown around this weekend. I mean like we'll get on to what the Crusaders did with that um towards the back end of their first half. But yeah, pretty much that charge down like changed everything. And I mean like to be fair, like I thought Jonah Lowe was gonna run him down bro like it was a nice early dive that got him across the line but then from there I mean like the I mean the final score 39-23 to the Highlanders but at that half an hour point in that game it was 20 points to 6 and like I think had Bryn Gatlin's chip kick not been charged down and a Chief um, recollected it and scored I think that would have been the nail in the coffin bro but it just goes to show like how it really is a game of millimetres 
And yeah, I mean, full credit to John and man. Like he mm. pretty much, for me, single-handedly won the Highlanders that game in the second half. Now, the Chiefs were their own worst enemy. I mean, I put up a visual today on the Instagram showing the fact that they only turned the ball over three times in the first half, but finished with 11 all up, um, along with, you know, the, the 18 missed tackles and the 13 penalties they conceded. So, I mean, there are a number of different points that you could talk about that led to the Chiefs unravelling. But, like, for me, like, when I watched that first half with the Chiefs, I thought they were probably the most accurate at the breakdown. And you, you thought that would be the case given they got to watch, you know, everybody go through the learning curve of, like, coming back for week one and not knowing how the referees were going to interpret everything. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about the Chiefs. I mean, like, they don't really have a lot of backbone. And I've got, as part of my new segment, uh, Run or Pass, one of my five questions that I'll throw to you, um, I'm excited to get your perspective on one of the questions that I raised, bro. But, yeah, like, I really wanted the Chiefs to win because, you know, like ultimately this can't put them in a great headspace um, heading down to Christchurch on Saturday to take on the Crusaders. But, yeah, full credit to the Highlanders, man, for putting it together in that second half. And, yeah, like, I like the point that you touched on. I thought that Falau Vakatava, he's been another talking point, um, considering Aaron Smith re-signing with the NZRU earlier last week and whether or not that will deter him from staying in the Highlanders. But I actually quite like the balance that they have there. And I'm not sure if Aaron Smith is willing to put his ego to the side and come off the bench. But Vakatava is that guy where I feel like he can, you know, he's he sort of in it from the get-go. He's energetic. He's in over the ball. His passing looks all right, um, especially at this level. Uh, and, I mean, like, he's always going to be a threat with that running game like we saw. But then, yeah. Hey, to be- Jordan. Okay, yeah, Kaylee, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Kaylee, remember, um, the Crusaders were offered uh, Falau a three-year contract. Um, he's off contract at the end of the year. <laughs> I hope to God they don't get him because they already have enough good players, bro. But I'd, I'd have to guess that Bryn Hall or one of the two, um, Mitch Drummond, has to be cashing in and going overseas. Yeah. Yeah, for them I mean, to be thrown. Oh, I, you know. I hope that is not the case, bro. Because I mean, it's such an attractive offer going um, up the line and playing at such a successful franchise. But for fuck's sakes, like at least spread the talent around the rest of the country, bro. Like he's he's pretty much like looks like he's going to be an All Black halfback within the next couple of years. So that'll just only add to their stocks. But yeah, like, like I was just about to mention, bro. Like being able to bring someone like Aaron Smith on for like that last half an hour, twenty five, and you know, like he's, I mean, Aaron, I mean, like everyone sung Aaron's praises last year. And I think for me, like the biggest development that I've seen over the past couple of years for him is that, yes, we know that he can play a million miles an hour and he's got the best pass in the world. And he gives that, you know, his back on an extra second on the ball, but it's just his composure now and his, his ability to sort of like change between the gears and dictate the pace, depending on like what, you know, the game calls for. So yeah, it'll be an interesting dynamic to see how they chop and change their halfbacks here. But yeah, like, again, like, not to, you know, like, toot my own trumpet, but I thought that 10-15 axis with the Iwani and Mitch Hunts worked quite well as well. That's not to say that I wouldn't like to see Nehemul Nascada in there again or Alain Malo, you know, not be deserving of a second chance. But I think, like, especially if you're going to have someone like Vakatava start, you, you sort of need that extra game driver on the field. And I think, yeah, that'll only help with his confidence going It's interesting, I've well. seen the um, Highlanders B team um, that's been named. So uh, it looks like they've dropped um, Jack Regan and um, uh, Ally Marlow. So that must mean that Bryn Evans must be called back in and they've got uh, Milner Scudder will be called back in. Mm. Um, so, um, okay. 
Yeah, interesting. When's Putty Putty Parkinson meant to be back? I mean, you're the one. He's on playing for the he's playing for the Highlanders B this weekend. So okay. His first game back. So, as well as the Japanese number uh, number eight, um, I think he's there. He's like their captain or the Japanese captain or like yeah, yeah, captain. yeah, yeah. He's the one that does. He's, yeah, he's playing for the B team this weekend. Okay. It'll be interesting to see how he goes and then whether he gets his cap the following week. All right, so there's a there's a bit of promise here, but I was just about to point out before we wrap up on this game, um, Daniel Leonard Brown uh, went down with what I think I saw was a broken arm. So yeah. I mean, as much as I like the look of Shannon Frizzell taking a step up this week, especially in that second half, and the promise of someone like a Josh Dixon and Manaki Selby Rickett and getting Putty Putty Parkinson back in, and, and, and I mean, you already know what you're going to get with Ash Dixon week in week out, and bringing Liam Coltman off the bench. I mean, fuck those props. Stocks for the Highlands at the moment aren't looking great, are they? They're fucked for those head props, bro. They are fucked. <laughs> they've got, they've lost, they've lost Ains, uh, the guy from Australia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they've lost um, Daniel Leonard Brown now with a broken arm. The only other loose heads I think they have is Ethan DeGroote and Josh Honick. So they've had to. Hopefully my boy Conan O'Donnell will get a call in, but he's with the Crusaders at the moment um, down there. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do and, and who they're going to pull in. I don't know what New Zealand's got left in loose head props, but yeah, be interesting. <laughs> oh, well, well, we'll have to see what happens um, this weekend against the Blues. And I mean, they're not going to have it easy going up against four all black props. Um, I think if they, if, Hodgman is back. I'm not sure if he is. So, yeah. But I mean, like, it, w- it was awesome to see that the Highlanders sort of string that stuff together. They do play quite a nice brand of football. Um, but it's yeah, it's just about whether or not their forwards can um stick it with the best of them to give, you know, the likes of your Aaron Smiths and your Joshy Wani's time on the ball to then feed. You know, you 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 are no superstar and like a John Anariki and you know like I thought Connor Garden Bishop. You know, even though he's probably a lot quieter than what he was last week. I mean, the mm. week before last, I mean, he used to had some nice touches. So, mm. yeah, like best of luck to them against the Blues because, yeah, I'm not a Blues fan. Uh, but we'll roll over to Sunday, bro, where the Hurricanes travel down to Christchurch to take on the Crusaders. And as I mentioned earlier, um, fell victims to just another very clinical period of play from the Crusaders where they rolled on four unanswered tries um, to go into halftime 26-6. And finish winners 33-16. So, yeah, same again for the first game, bro. I mean, you would have watched Sunday afternoon, and, yeah, what did you make of, I guess, the, the first 20 minutes for the Hurricanes, the the second 20 minutes of the first half, and then, yeah, we'll just cover the second half as a whole. Yeah, I think probably just, like, it, it was almost like the Hurricanes were scoring points, but it was just, like, penalties, like Jordy Barrett getting penalties, and then it seemed like typical, like, Crusaders would just score an easy try. And it was effortless for them to to cross the line. Where the Hurricanes, it was made look so much harder. Uh, I think teams need to take the Crusaders as if they're playing the All Blacks. So the only time when the All Blacks have lost is when, so say if you get a penalty to start the match, maybe instead of taking the points, you actually go for the the corner and you you know you put the pressure on early and you 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 try to get seven points on the board rather than kicking penalties because. The Crusaders are literally like the All Blacks, you know, 90, 80% of the team. So, like, they're going to, like, find a way to break it, even if they've been on the back foot or below the penalty count um, the whole, you know, the whole first half or whatever. They're going to 
find ways to break through and, and score these, you know, I think they scored three tries and in, in within like six minutes or something like that. Mm. Um, and that's the that's the change of the whole game. So, um, yeah, maybe um, not the smartest tactic from the Hurricanes decision-wise. Obviously, Artie and Simbin didn't help, and that was when they scored all their points. But, yeah, it seemed to they just, they just kind of, as soon as the uh, Crusaders scored an easy try, they just kind of like dropped their heads and they had Artie off and just lost a bit of belief, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I, I didn't think the Crusaders could score um, a jammier try than some of them I've seen over the years, but tapping the ball five metres out, running sideways, Cody Taylor <laughs> managing to dot the ball down, that was like some under five shit. Holy <laughs> hell, like, I mean, oh, I mean, like, I'm going to be a little bit disrespectful here. Like, what the fuck was that? Like, Mate, that's, that's like the number. Used to, I, I used to have a suffer, and our under 12 team used to just tap it and give it a suffer. <laughs> that was what it reminded me of. <laughs> like, seriously, like, that's like the number one rule. Like, whenever you're right on your goal line, you never turn your back to the opposition. Now, given the Crusaders are that lethal at the set piece that, you know, I think 99% of the population, all those watching the game, would have thought they would plug it in the corner. But yeah, full credit to Cody for fucking having the cojones to tap it. <laughs> and then, I mean, like, fuck, he got across the line. And I mean, he, he's been pretty lethal this year, so I guess that's just a reflection of where his head's at um, confidence-wise. But again, you talk about key moments in that game, um, and I don't want to like, uh, like dog the guy too much, but... I think, like, had Jackson Garden Bash have gone all the way with his interception, not to say that the Hurricanes would have gone on and won that game, but I think that that chase down by Whanganuku and Sivu Reese probably gave the Crusaders a bit of oomph because they were quite flat for that first 20 minutes. And, yeah, touching on your point about, like, taking the points rather than scoring fives, I'm definitely in your corner for that, but I guess, like, the, the, the struggle, I guess, for teams when they go down there, especially in Christchurch, is that, and and you see it when teams play the All Blacks is that you can either like go about it the way that me and you probably would, or you back your D and you keep taking the points. And I think that it was probably a um, a reflection of what they did last year in Christchurch because I think Jordy Barrett kicked about twenty points. I think he he knocked over like six penalties and a conversion. Um, so I could see where they were going for it tactically, but. Yeah, unfortunately, the Crusaders, like you said, can score three tries in six minutes, and Richie Wong is that good a goal kicker that he adds all the extras for those ones. Um, but yeah, but one of the one of my key takeaways from that game, outside of you know obviously losing a Suffle, which is a huge blow for the Hurricanes because I'm not sure where they're going to get their punch back. I know that they're going to have Dane Coles there, but I think that a Suffle was really coming into his own, albeit in two games. And when I look across the rest of that forward pack, besides Artie, that isn't really like that sort of menacing, sort of punching onto it guy. But talking about menacing and punching onto it, Nani Lamapi. Now, I got on him last week. Uh, for, well, I got on his team for not giving him the ball. And I don't know for the life of me why the Hurricanes are playing him out in the midfield off a set piece, or um, you know, more precisely the line out. They're going to Jackson Garden Bishop and then hitting him in the midfield, and he's being met at the game line or behind the game line with the Crusaders' defence because they're one of the quicker rushing teams in the competition, and mm. he's practically on the back foot. Why not hit him straight off the line out? Like, mm. again, that's yeah. like the your under twelves. You get your best players or your most devastating ball carriers as close as they can to the ball and get them on it as early as possible. But 
they're wanting to go through an extra set of hands. Now, I, I don't I don't know why that is. You know, like I'm not, not a level four rugby coach and I'm not wanting to bash Alfie and crew. But yeah, like Nani's not getting himself involved. And like what I've noticed with him is that when stuff isn't really going his way in terms of him getting himself getting over the game line is that I feel like he gets a little bit too eager and he goes looking for it. And there have been a couple of times where he's had a couple of handling errors and that's just probably from a little bit of over-enthusiasm or wanting to make a difference for his team because he knows how good he is. But sometimes it's better to let the game come to you or actually like have your team game plan to play to your strengths because, uh, you know, Peter Umungan Jensen is an awesome line runner, so he's always going to be on his shoulder. But, yeah, you, for me, the Hurricanes have to be putting the ball in Nani's hands um, and allowing him to, you know, maybe have a little bit of late footwork on, at the line or like have a bit of options rather than just being catching it and then bracing for impact. Yeah, I think um, I think uh, like it was kind of adamant where um Nani got the ball in space and like made a break, but like he was trying to be that superhero again, and like mm. he, it was a time where he just needed to pass it, and fuck, he probably would have scored. Uh, I can't remember who was on his inside. Or... Well, that was off the right at the end of the game, eh? When um Rayasi. Yeah. Did his little thing and inflicted to him. Yeah, same with you. He sort of just all he had to do was square up that last man, and draw him past like left to right. Right? Stuff. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, I think it's more the Hurricanes just need some confidence. Like confidence is key, especially in this competition. So yeah, usually they would go over and they'd they'd you know they'd have three games against Western Force or you know um go to South Africa and they'll beat the bloody balls or something like that and they would have you know they won three on the trot and they'll come back and they're all confident but in this competition because every game's like fucking a test match it's hard to gain momentum and confidence so yeah i think that's all they need is just a couple a couple wins under their belt and then they'll 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 be flying high kind of thing but yeah it's gonna be interesting yeah, they just haven't quite shown that gel yet and i mean they were in a similar hole last year and, and they got their act together and thankfully for them um, with me predicting that the Chiefs aren't going to beat the Crusaders uh, this coming uh, Saturday. They play the Chiefs next Friday at home, I'm pretty sure. So that'll give them, again, the perfect opportunity to get themselves back on the front foot. But yeah, were there any other sort of key takeaways from that game for you? I mean, like the one highlight for me was, I think we, me and you have gone back and forth about the Crusaders' defence at line-out time. And I'm not sure whether you consider it a, a rolling more try, the one that Ricky Ricky Telly scored. Mm. But yeah, like I, I guess among like some of the the highlights from what was, you know, um, well, let me rephrase this. Like if you actually if you look at their game as a whole, the Hurricanes won that second half, and I mean like I mean the game was over after Ricky Telly, you know, not to get on him again, um, had that miss throw and Taylor scored a second. But the first twenty minutes, the Hurricanes dominated. Artie goes to the bin. The Crusaders score all those tries. They go into the half time with a 20-point lead. They score the first try of the second half. And then credit to the Hurricanes for sticking at it for the 480. But, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, the Hurricanes were probably the better team for a larger amount of that game. But the Crusaders are just so clinical um, in certain patches that, you know, like, you know, you, again, like you could be you could be the best team for set for the first 70 minutes of the game. And the Crusaders can win that game in that last 10 minutes because it just shows, like you said, that that sort of all-black like belief they have within their camp. But yeah, like like I touched on, I think Asafawa Almore is going to be a, a massive loss, albeit with Dane Coles coming back. A credit again to Julian Severe. Um, I, I think that you know he's showing his wisdom out there, although he's probably not getting um, the same sort of touches that we're used to seeing the bus getting. I feel, I feel like he's doing a really good job of that balance between 
getting himself involved but not looking out of place. And then, yeah, also to, to jump on or to sing my mate's praises, I thought that Ryasi had a couple of nice touches when he came on as well. Um, unfortunately, he had that, that drop kickoff um, right at the end of the game, <laughs> which was, I guess, probably a, a reflection of people's sort of opinions on him as his tendency to go a bit hot and cold. But, yeah, hopefully he gets um, a bit more burn in the coming weeks. And, yeah, I, I thought that the, the Hurricanes did a better job discipline-wise. But, yeah, unfortunately, when you go up against the Crusaders, you just got to be... Um, pretty much 99% accurate. And, yeah, I guess just to, quickly for me on the Crusaders, I, I think Severus again was brilliant. Um, Wanga managed to play a big chunk of that game, albeit on a on a bung knee, which I thought the Hurricanes targeted, but obviously didn't target enough. And then, yeah, just that four-pack, man, it's such a well-oiled machine that, yeah, it's going to be tough to see anybody stopping them. Mm. Hit it on the head, John. Couldn't add anything to that. Fair enough, Matt. All right, well, um, before I let you go, bro, I've just got five questions for you as part of my new segment, Run or Pass. And, yeah, you can either tell me that you're running with what I've suggested or you're passing on it. Good to go? Sure. All right, question number one. Sam Kane is a great player, but not an effective leader. Oh, I, don't, I can't comment. Pass. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the Highlanders are better served with starting Falau Vakatava and bringing Aaron Smith off the bench? Depends on uh, depends on, on who they're playing. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. Um, number three, the 2021 Crusaders roster is the most talented Super Rugby side ever. So take into consideration, you know, like if all their players that they have on their roster weren't injured, like if you looked across them, um, you know, mm. e- even in your, you know, I guess in your lifetime of rugby, you know, like with, for me, like they are. You know, <laughs> like, look, no, honestly, if you look across that team, maybe besides um, the prop and, yeah, the, the I think maybe just the, the tight head prop, bro, like two all black locks, you've got a... All black number eight with Cullen Grace. Tom Christie's a bit of a bolter. He's probably the toiler in that pack. Um, six, you got Ethan Blackadder, who for me is really in that Liam Squire mold. You got two, you know, all black-ish halfbacks with Drummond and Hall. Mwanga, Goodhue, Enor, Will Jordan, Fuanganuku, Reese, Havili. Like that team stacked. Bro, yeah, George Bauer, who was with the All Blacks last year. Uh, Ollie Jaeger, who was, you know, who's a quality prop. Like, it's a pretty talented team. And, like, for me, when I look back at even some of the old Crusaders teams, yeah, yeah, even, bro, they, agree. yeah even though they have Dan Carter and Richie McCaw, like, as a whole, man, yeah, just the the idea I'd, of them having Flower Fakatava next year, bro, that'll absolutely break me um, <laughs> if that fella is in a red and black jersey. But, uh, yeah, hopefully I've jinxed it by saying that, bro. But, yeah, rolling to number four. Uh, the Hurricanes are more likely to get wins with Geordie Barrett at 10. That's not, that's not to say, that's not, and I'm not, stir, I'm not trying to stir the pot here and I'm not trying to discredit um, Jackson Garden Bashit, but if the Hurricanes drop three games, where do they turn to from there? And I'm not saying that Geordie Barrett will necessarily want to play first five because I feel like he'll want to stick at fullback because he want, you know, he want to get the reps under his belt, you know, to ultimately become the all-black fullback. But, you know, just to spice things up and, you know, like, there isn't really another backup at first five. So if you had to make way for someone, would you push Geordie into 10 and then give someone, I don't know, push Wes Houston to fall back or Arcee to fall back just to have a little bit more 
I don't, I don't know, guess Razzle in their backline. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's just a suggestion, bro. Are you running or passing with it? Yeah, running with it, yeah. Um, and then my last question, bro. Given all the hype that we've seen around John and Ariki and um, considering how well Leicester played for the Crusaders on Sunday, do you think that we'll see another all-black debutante in the outside backs in 2021? Mm, I hope so, for Jonah's, Jonah's sake, but... Um, it's pretty stacked, bro. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, they'll pick either Sevu or like it'll be between Sevu and someone else. Like, I, I think because Sevu is kind of like a like if Sevu's on, then they'll pick Sevu. But if he like loses a bit of form and doesn't score these tries and that, then I think they'll pick the informed winger. The other ones are more versatile, like Will Jordan can play fullback or, yeah, I mean, yeah, even George Bridge is probably like, is he playing at the moment or is he? Well, he's injured. He's he's still got to come back from injury and I think he's a back, I think the later rounds. Obviously, um, Mm -hmm. he'll be staying there, but that's a good question that I haven't, yeah, too early to say. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. These, this is probably yeah, way too early in the piece to be looking at stuff like that in terms of the All Blacks. But when I just look at that outside backs, I mean, like Ian Foster had a tough enough time as it is, you know, with last year's team, you know, not including someone like a David Havili, who you know came back and played this week um, or mm. last weekend, sorry. And then you know, you're going to have bolters like a Jonna, or you know, if Lester comes on, or if Connergard and Bishop turns it on, like there. There's potential for these guys to sort of come out of nowhere. And, yeah, there's only so many spots in the All Blacks, you know. it's There's maybe a little bit of ease with Bowden Barrett obviously being gone and maybe that Will Jordan slips in. I mean, like, I know he was always going to be a definite, but obviously, you know, like, he slips in there. But then so then it's like, you know, who replaces Will Jordan? You know, is that the spot for Jonna? Or, you know, will they look for a bit more versatility and go with someone like Havili? Like, I, I, I don't know. So... But yeah, this is the, one of the questions that I was going to throw at you, bro. So yeah, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, that wraps everything up, bro. Um, I really appreciate you coming on to help me out once again. And yeah, hopefully we see a Chiefs win in the not-too-distant future. So that way, this competition really is um, a well-rounded one rather than 4v1. Thanks for having me, John. All right. Peace.